George Washington said, let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. Um, I am your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful and slightly tired wife, Nikki. <laughs> Hello. Um, it's been a busy day today, a great day. A um, little men's Bible study, a little baby birthday party and a wedding, and now a podcast. <laughs> um, so thank you for joining us. If you're new here, you know, every week we do our best to try to help Christians live a life that's pleasing to God in a secular world. So um, that's what we do our best to, to, I guess, relay to you guys here um, as best we understand it. So in this episode, it's sort of a special release episode, if you will. Um, we're going to be sharing a message that I gave to the men that I lead um, in a Bible study at the jail. So it was a 4th of July, you know, Bible study. And so we decided to focus on America, you know, kind of using America and our founding as sort of our jumping, jumping off point for the Bible study. Um, and I wanted to share it in our episode, you know, it was yesterday when I'm recording this, but, um, which was July 9th. So we wanted to put it in that message, but it would have just been too long to really discuss. We didn't want the episode to be that long. So, um, we were like, ah, oh, well, we'll just save it. But it seems like we always run into issues where things we kind of want to talk about just get buried in the hectic pace of this world. And there's always something new, um, which is great to talk about. But then we lose sight of the things that were really heavy on our heart to mm -hmm. talk about. So we decided it's our podcast and we'll release an episode whenever we want to. <laughs> so we're just going to make this kind of a standalone episode. You know, there's going to be no prayer request today. No um, news stories, no sermon recommendations. We're just going to go straight message. Um, but before we do all that, do you just want to say hi, get anything off your chest before we get rolling? Um, no, I don't have anything to get off my chest. All right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, this is just going to be more of a topical discussion for today. Um, I want to talk about two principles that are necessary for American culture to be sustainable that are in very short supply. And they come from this great book. Um, you'll see it on the screen and you can find links to it down in the show notes if you're interested in purchasing it yourself. Um, but the book, it's on the founding of America really and it's called The 5,000 Year Leap. It's not a new book. You may have already read it yourself and which is great. But the book sort of discusses principles of freedom that helped establish America and basically propel America in 200 years to essentially take a 5,000 year leap, right? That's where they get the name from, mm -hmm. um, a leap in advancement. Um, so inside the book, the author lays out 28 principles of freedom, but it's really the second principle that I wanna focus on today. And that principle he says is, a free people cannot survive under a Republican constitution unless they remain virtuous and morally strong. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask you guys listening the same question I asked the guys in the jail when I was telling them. If I gave you a sheet of paper and just told you to write down words to describe America, how long do you suppose it would take you 
to get to the point where you wrote down virtuous and moral? I think it would take a long time. I imagine you would need multiple sheets of paper, probably. Yeah, um, you'd be writing for a while. I yeah. Don't know. No, it's I think... Uh, morality and virtue aren't even words anybody's taught about. I mean, nobody no. hears those words. They don't even know what they mean. And um, I don't know. It's just not... It's not really what our country's known for, at least anymore. It's like it slipped away really fast. Yeah, and... and you know, it's almost like we've replaced the word morality and virtue with you're a prude. You know, it's almost an insult, yeah, right? If yeah. you're moral and virtuous, oh, they're a prude. They're but no even fun. in church, people look at it that way too, oh, sadly. Yeah. And there are many in churches are just as offended as the world when you want to correct, you know, oh, yeah. on moral issues, um, you know, just talking about modesty or not drinking or you know or shacking up with whoever you're dating like people get really upset when you i mean you warn them in love but they're like no cultures change and the bible needs to keep up you know and and people always just say i hate when they say that even people in church are like oh it's just culture it's okay like yeah no that's called the world <laughs> the world changes god's word doesn't no, and, and it's not what we're called to live by. So yeah. I just wanted to share a verse real quick before we really got rolling in this. And it's Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And he says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Um, and this is what our founders believed. Um, it's mm -hmm. what they spoke about. So you'll hear from time to time people say, well, America was never a Christian nation or, you know, stuff like this. And which is fine. You can say that. But I don't think you could convince our founders of that because mm -hmm. they spoke often about that. And um, Benjamin Franklin, he wrote, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. Mm -hmm. So do we look like a nation that has more masters or less? You know, it's almost <laughs> as though the people that are set up or sort of setting themselves up as our masters are the very people that are mm. encouraging us to give up our morals and our virtues. No, they tell you morals is restrictive and that's the opposite of freedom like we need to be free to sin if we want <laughs> yeah only freedom to sin is the only freedom they care about but it's almost yeah. like we're being convinced to close the cell doors on ourselves mm -hmm. um and another uh you know early american patriot thomas paine um, i'm sure if you've heard that name you know he's the writer of common sense 
Um, interestingly, he noted uh, that most of the people in his time in America, so at the founding, he said they were industrious, frugal, and mm. honest. And he had pointed to Britain as basically the antithesis of America. Mm. And he said because their people had been debilitated because all they wanted was luxury, indolence, which is just an inclination towards laziness, mm. amusement, and pleasure. So who do we sound like in America today? I would say the, the British that our founders were just repulsed by. Yeah, we yeah, absolutely we sound like the founders. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, it's crazy. And so just one last quote here from this book um, on kind of how we got to this mess that we're in today. You know, from an industrious, frugal, and honest people to whatever label you want to give us today. And it's from Thomas Jefferson, and he wrote, Virtue is not hereditary. You know, it doesn't simply get passed on from mom and dad, you know, like your hair color does or, you mm -hmm. know, your eye color. Um, and King Solomon, he made note of this, right? And he instructed us on how to ensure that it does get passed on. Proverbs 22, uh, verse 6, most of us are probably familiar with. He says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Mm -hmm. You know, train them, right? It's not hereditary. They have to be trained. But by and large, Americans have given up working to be people of morals and virtue. And the thing is, we live in the richest nation in the history of the world. And I was reading this stat and it seemed so low. I went and found it in a couple other places um, so it might be off slightly, but not much. But if you make over 35,000 U.S. dollars a year, um, you're considered the top 1% of global wage earners. Hmm. That might be low, but I found it in enough places where I thought, all right, we're going with it. But, <laughs> you know, 35,000 U.S. dollars a year. The average American makes somewhere between fifty dollars to $60,000 a year. So we are a nation of global elites. So you'd say, why would people be moral and virtuous in a nation when we can have all the pleasures that this world has to throw at us? Yeah, it's a good question. And without God, you have no reason. If you don't, if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you might as well, like Kurt Vonnegut said, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. I know. Drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. I mean, that's like the Bible passages from Ecclesiastes, First um, Corinthians. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he up. stole it from there. But yeah, I mean, you got just rich. You have no faith in God, no morals or virtue. Eat, drink and be merry because you might die tomorrow. So what does it all matter, just right? Live it up. What is it? YOLO. <laughs> yeah, YOLO, right? But we discussed this stat a few months ago that roughly 60% of America claims to be Christian in some form or fashion. Um, and that number is low and getting lower. You know, it used to be much higher. Um, but a more alarming stat that we've also covered on this show before, only 6% of Americans, like all Americans, not even religious, just 6% of Americans claim to have a biblical worldview. So a question I asked myself and it's a question you may be asking yourself. How can you be a Christian and not have a biblical worldview? 
And you may come up with a better answer, mm. but the answer that I came up with is you can't. Um, because a biblical worldview simply means that you believe the Bible is true and accurate. You know, it's the word of God. And that's the lens that you see the world through. That's how you interpret the world. Yeah, I don't know how you can be a Christian and not hold to that belief. Like I get, you can, people can like uh, the person of Jesus and can like his teaching. But if your view on the Bible is like, they're just stories, like it's just good instruction to live by. And that's it for people. You just have a hard time convincing me that you're a Christian. I don't know. I guess I couldn't judge their soul or anything, but I would struggle with accepting that they're a Christian. In Proverbs 30, verse 5, which says, every word of God proves true. So the entire Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, who is God. Therefore, the entire Bible must be true. And if it is true and you believe it, it should color the way that you see the world. It doesn't mean we won't stumble or or backslide, but we should have that as the goal to follow follow scripture. Yeah, I mean, I agree. So Mm -hmm. what happened to virtue? You know, Jefferson said it wasn't hereditary, uh, but we've been a Mm -hmm. nation that's lost faith in God. Um, We've lost our faith. We've drifted more and more into the secular world. Mm-hmm. We've traded, you know, what would be our heavenly riches yeah. stored up for eternity for our earthly riches that we can use now. We've by and large become a nation of prodigals. And I'm sure you guys are all familiar with the parable and what is mm-hmm. it, Luke 15. Um, but that's what makes this all the more important, that those of us who desire to live according to God's commands, we need to begin to become comfortable with being outcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would call us, and I don't know if it's the right word, but almost to a place of like radical morality or like radical uh, virtue because we're faced daily Mm -hmm. with radical immorality. That's true. Like, so you almost have to match their intensity. Yes. Um, In that verse in 2 Peter verse or chapter 1 verses 5 through 10, That's what we who call ourselves Christians, our Christ followers, need to return to. You know, we need to live in a way that's different than the world. They have to notice that it's different than the way they live. Um, And this has always been God's instruction for us. So if you want to read John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, from what Jesus told us. Okay, says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Yeah, we should pray for that. I just, I didn't write this quote down, but there was, and I probably shared it with you guys before, but there's a great quote from Martin Luther um, where two of his friends get martyred um, by the Catholic Church because they were preaching their, you know, Reformation theology, basically. And Martin wrote sort of somberly that he thought he would be the first one to be martyred for this great gospel. But he said, I wasn't worthy. Mm. Like he counted himself 
Lord, let me be worthy to be killed for your gospel. And he was somber that he wasn't. But for us, we're like, Lord, don't let somebody send me a mean Facebook comment for that Bible verse I posted, please. <laughs> I'll take it down if they do. It's like, why, why would we pray to not be persecuted? We should be praying to endure persecution. Yeah, Lord, please let me do something worthy of persecution. <laughs> like, <sighs> so then this verse in John chapter 17, verses 9 through 19 um, it's long, but I think it's such a great sort of prayer mm -hmm. that Jesus prays over us mm -hmm. that it should really encourage us to walk boldly in the world. So, honey, if you want to read it, it's long, but I think it's all good. I love this. I just read it the other day, too. He says, I, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but the, that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by your truth. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've all heard before that we're to be in the world and not of the world. And the thing is, is like, and we can all see it from a thousand different angles, but the world is in like a full sprint running towards hell. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're going there as fast as they can. And most of us have really just been jogging along behind them, kind of wondering where we're going. Right. Right. Like, right. what is, why are we doing this? What's happening? And we maybe even feel uncomfortable, but we're like, whole crowd's going this way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, all we have to do is stop. Like, you don't have to do anything other than just stop running off the cliff. Stop where you are. Because there's a lot of ways that you can be led off the narrow path. Um, you know, on the extreme end, you can be led off the narrow path um, by the barrel of a gun, you know, if you are unwilling to stand. Uh, you know, because the thing is, is, like, life's just easier if you wander from the narrow path. You can run off the path on your own, just the cares of the world. Um, but the thing is, it won't make a difference on the last day. Mm -mm. And there's this great quote from Vody Bakum. He says, suffering is common for all. However, persecution can be avoided. All you have to do is compromise. <laughs> and we've been compromising in America for a very long time for a lot of reasons. You know, it's just funner to compromise, right? It's easier. We get less pushback. You know, there's a lot of reasons, but I just wanted to take today um, here for the podcast like I did um, on the fourth with the guys in jail. I just want to take today to remind you that Jesus 
prayed for us to stand firm Mm -hmm. in this world. Like Mm -hmm. John 17, verse 9 through 19. Like think if Jesus was there with you and he was laying his hands on you, praying that the Father would keep you spotless from the world. Like what would you do to live up to that promise, Mm -hmm. that prayer? But he did pray for us in a sense, right? We have his word. He prayed for you to the Father. Mm -hmm. Not that you would be removed from the world, but that you would like have the faith and the strength to stand against the world. But man, we've just caved. That's what it means to walk like Jesus is to stand firm, just like he did. And we're supposed to look different than the world. We're supposed to be a light to the world and not walk in their darkness. And walking the opposite of the world is is shining your light. You're dimming your light by walking in the darkness. So we're not supposed to put our lamp under a basket and we're just basically hiding ourselves from the world. And I just, I just love that prayer. I just keep thinking on Jesus even says for our sakes, he sanctified himself. And he says, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. And it's all about abiding in his word. Like, we don't, we just take for granted that we have his words, his written words. Like we yeah. have the most powerful weapon and we don't even open it up. Right. And then even when we do, we're sort of like ashamed and I'm calling our, you know, us out here We're we know the word yet we're ashamed or we're uncomfortable. We're like, is this the right time? Should I really make a fuss about this? Instead of just being like, no, the the Lord of glory told me what to do. Uh, that's what I'm doing. Knowing you know? that Jesus prayed for us though, that yeah, really contemplating you. that, that prayer. Like so, you said, if he, if you could imagine him with you praying over you, that prayer, it would really embolden you to take this serious. No, and we know that it would because we have the written record of the apostles who were there, who had Christ praying over them in yeah. person. And we see what they lived like. They didn't live like us. Like, you know, every one of them was martyred. You know, most of them suffered beatings and imprisonment, endless, constant ridicule. And none of it mattered, right? Because they saw the risen Lord. You know, that's what would take someone like Peter, who said, Lord, I love you. Where else can I go? You speak the words of truth. Mm -hmm. And then he denied him, right? But then we see Peter later, you know, word has it, right, that he was crucified upside down. So what took him from being a Christ denier to willing to be crucified upside down other than he saw Jesus alive? Something mm-hmm. changed, right? Something was different. You that have gave to know more strength. that Jesus is alive. That's the thing. You have to believe in the resurrection. And yeah. the thing is, it really bugs me. I brought up to you. I don't think I said it on any other episode, but just the verse about Jesus saying, whatever you ask in my name that I will do. Oh, that's the verse everybody clings to. They really believe that. But what did the disciples, the apostles, they read that. What were they asking for? Were they asking for the things the world asked for that these Yeah, how many lukewarm new Christians? camels did Peter pray for yeah, in a new house? They didn't ask for the things <laughs> of the world. They didn't say, oh, help me, you know, get this better house, this better car, help me get 
they weren't looking for promotions or status in the world. That isn't what that verse means. And, and that's the only verse people cling to and they really believe it. But that isn't even what it means. They're just praying that prayer, just asking in Jesus' name and believing he's going to give them the riches of the world. It's, no, it's really wild. sad. They have more faith in that than in that prayer to stand firm. And yeah, they don't believe yeah. that they're able to walk um, this narrow path. No, we all have to come to that realization. Um, we are just as guilty as anybody. But, you know, the thing is, is like morality and virtue, they are Christian principles um, because the unsaved world like they have no morals, they have no virtue to reach back to. They have no higher authority. No um, truth. Yeah. So the world needs today what it's always needed: godly men and women living unashamedly, passionate lives for Christ, not following the world into the, like the moral decay that we see all around us, but setting the standard for the rest of the world to follow. And yeah, we'll catch flack you know, along the way. And if things get bad here, we'll probably catch more than flack. Mm -hmm. uh, but without us, the world and the, the lost, they have no hope. They have nothing to see that's any different or any better without us. So like Nikki said, we have to take the basket off our lamp. Um, and if your light's gone out, ask God to relight it. Uh, he will. He's mm -hmm. faithful. Those are the um, things that Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. Yeah, Ask like, for that. That's the kind of stuff he was talking about. Yeah, he'll answer <laughs> your prayer when you've been stoned nearly to death and you're like, Lord, give me the strength to walk back into that yeah, town. It's all about yeah. the gospel. It's all about just us being bold and walking in the strength of his spirit. And yeah. No, it's all about the gospel. And the thing is, is like when you receive the gospel, um, that was the result of someone somewhere living out what we know is the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus told us that in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Um, and this is really my last point here. But the Great Commission came with more than just a call to share the gospel. That's part of it. But it also came with the instruction to teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Mm -hmm. And we all know people that are the do as I say, not as I do type of people. And nobody wants to follow that person. Mm -mm. Nobody's looking to do what that person your does. Your kids are not going to listen to you. You no. can't be like that to your kids. You know, that's what really stuck out to me because there's so many parents do what I say, not what I do. And the, the kids, they're never going to, they don't, they don't follow hypocrites. No, we have to be more than that. Um, and we're told to be more than that. You know, first John chapter two, verse three, um, the apostle tells us, and by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Mm -hmm. So we keep his commandments and we teach them to others so they can keep them. You know, if we keep his commandments and we teach others to keep his commandments, then we will be a more moral and virtuous people and will once again be deserving of this country, mm -hmm. you know, to live in this free country that our mm -hmm. founders envision. And if not, you know, we'll be Canada soon. And our children, they'll only have us to blame for it. So that's what we have on morals and virtues. It is imperative that we as believers um, mm -hmm. pick up this cross 
of walking in almost radical, almost in-your-face morality. I refuse to go the way you're going. Not only do I refuse to go that way, I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't go that way either. I'm going to make it known Mm -hmm. that what you're doing is sinful Mm -hmm. and there's a better way. Mm -hmm. Even to the point where you may give me pushback. That's fine. But like, we have to contest it. Mm -hmm. You can't just sit in a corner wringing your hands, you know, hoping that, I don't know, Michael or Gabriel are going to come down and save you from something. Mm -hmm. You're here. You're the one God's using, right? We're the ones God's using. So we need to take on that challenge. Um, And again, Jesus prayed for you to take on that challenge. So Mm -hmm. do you have any last thoughts before we end this episode? Yeah, I was just thinking on how like our goal isn't about um, just saving our country. Like, no, if we would have kept up um, morality and virtue, this is about people living for God. It really isn't about our name as a nation. This is about God's name and, and sharing the gospel. And it's just, like you said, we have this, our, well, our nation is crumbling because people are just lazy and sharing the gospel and fearful and just walking along with the world. So this isn't like a plead so we can save our country and not become like Canada. This is, again, like a bigger issue to a call for Christians to live out what Jesus was praying. This is more like the heart of it is um, just we we see there's like no Christians. This is just seeing there's no Christians, not just in our nation, but the concern is I just don't want people to think this is just for our nation because it's the 5,000 year leap. Like we care about the gospel, God's name more so than we care um, the persecution that's coming. Even if we became like Canada, like we didn't fail. We didn't fail. Like we still stand firm, even if um, we lose our American freedoms, you know, we still can win spiritually. If people turn around, this is a call to Christians to stand firm, although our nation might be crumbling because we've lost morality, not just in the country, but Christians, the backbone, you know, hasn't been, we haven't been calling on God. So this is reaping what we've sown, but we're not losing if the Christians really come together. Yeah, it stinks if our nation crumbles but we don't lose because we are not of this world. Right. We don't lose in the end, but right. um, And it's just more, you know, having a nation that's blessed by God, as opposed to one that is um, under judgment by God. And, you know, what we do here in this country reaches out and that is what is exported to the rest of the world. Right now, we're exporting debauchery. And yeah, I mean, if this nation ultimately becomes the most moral and virtuous society in the world and God still decides it's time for America to be over, that's fine. But that you was know. a test of our faith. It's a test still, of our faith. But even it's a different if God thing to doesn't lose our nation because we just gave up trying. Right. Right. But if we turn to God, 
We're not turning to God so we'll get our nation back. We're turning to God because that's the right thing to do. Right. And it's just the byproduct of the right thing to do is we'll get a nation back that's free and yeah. enjoyable to live in again. That's not full of sin and debauchery. And we're not, you know, signing our kids up for an eternity in hell because of the mm-hmm. the sinful lifestyles that we've invited in. So right. um, Christians still have the control, you know, of this nation if we choose to pick it up. Uh, yes, we so, do. We do. Yeah. We still have control. That's the way it was designed. It was founded that way, our Constitution. So praise God for that. Let's yeah, um, I just encourage be good you guys. stewards of what God gave us concerning this country. Yeah. Our children deserve to have us walk a right, you know, virtuous and moral life to pass them on a virtuous and moral country. They deserve right. more than us to get everything we want sinful and self-indulgent right. and then pass them on a heaping you know pile of we want our children our country to be able to not be locked up for preaching the truth and raising their own kids you know it's coming our way i mean i don't think our kids are gonna fall in line with that transgenderism but heaven forbid their children get caught up in it and then they get thrown in prison for trying to convert their own children and help them. That's what we don't want to happen. This isn't about our freedoms now. This is just about insanity coming yeah. that we can prevent. Absolutely. And we need to. We need to take that challenge on. So um, that is all we got. We will be back on Monday tomorrow with some debate, daily devotionals and back again next Saturday talking about for Calvinism. So hope to hear from you guys then. Otherwise, God bless.